Well, you all know I'm a Brady Cook guy, but just like we shouldn't dismiss Tyler Macon at this point in the process, let's not dismiss Jack Abraham either. So, let's take a deeper dive into that young man's game, plus more on Missouri football and basketball, coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And thank you so much for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen. Thanks for telling a friend we are free and available on all platforms and also thanks to Bet Online for sponsoring today's show. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, today I want to start with Jack Abraham because, well, again, I am Mr. Hashtag Let Brady Cook. I'm on Team Brady Cook, and I have been all all off season. But obviously, regardless of who takes the ball for Missouri in week one against Louisiana Tech, I'm going to be rooting for him. But you know what? I want to have a real opinion on Jack Abraham. I don't want to just take a, a cursory glance at his total statistics and, and take anybody else's opinion. No, I want to let my eyes tell the story a little bit. And you know what? I really had to dig for it, but I did find a full game of Jack Abraham in college football, October 3rd, 2020. Yes, the dreaded COVID-19 season. Southern Mississippi had a 41-31 to victory over North Texas. Ironically enough, Jack Abraham actually facing a 27-year-old quarterback for the mean green on the other side. So you know what? Hold your old guy jokes. Thank you very much. I got your back, Jack. But let's first of all, let's be fair here. I was sitting, I'll be really honest, again, with the bias that I have toward Brady Cook, I, I have to admit I was wanting my socks to be blown off a little bit in this game. So I was trying to find the best game I could as an example of that, but with limited options out there, this was the best full game I could find of Jack Abraham. And as I referenced earlier, just taking a, again, just a real basic look at his totals, well... The interceptions stand out, especially for a, a kid who's played at group of five. Yes, he was at Mississippi State last year, didn't play a down for the Bulldogs. But during his time in college, just his total amount of interceptions I found a little bit alarming. But as I watched this game, by the way, a great spot for Jack Abraham to not make any any mistakes in this game because while Abraham didn't have his usual center or his star wide receiver, the game script was set up really nicely for him at the very least to play mistake-free football. A 17-3 lead early for the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss. So really Jack Abraham didn't have to do all that much in this game. The Mean Green just kept making mistake after mistake. But even so, I have to say, early in the game, it just felt like a lot of check downs. The dreaded game manager level was starting to creep in to my brain. But And so far, certainly in the first half, my socks remained on, without question. But then it got a little bit more interesting. 
Now it was a 17-10 ball game with two minutes left. Okay, let's see what they do with Jack Abraham. I was kind of thinking they would remain conservative, but on third and one, Jack made his best throw of the day by far. They took a shot down the right sidelines to a receiver, just threw it right in the bucket for a big gain. Really, really nicely done there by Jack Abraham, without a doubt. Unfortunately, later in that drive, well, Southern Miss has to eventually settle for a field goal because, number one, Jack throws a 10-yard out that is nearly intercepted. ball just took way too long to get there. Not a, not a terribly strong arm on the six-feet-tall Jack Abraham, at least as far as I could tell. Unfortunately, that was your first down play. Second and third down weren't much better. Two other plays that were really, really dangerous as well. You could maybe call these three dropped interceptions on one series. The last one was the worst, a ball that he just threw up for grabs over the middle of the field. Other one, the guy actually slips, the defensive back that is, slips coming out of his break. I mean, he definitely saw that pass coming without a doubt on like about a 10, 15-yard hitch something like that. But with a 10-point lead early second half again, Abraham not expected to do a whole lot. He does find a guy wide open for a 68-yard touchdown. Give him credit. Blown coverage there. His initial read was definitely a tight end, probably in the flat. At the very least, Abraham, the veteran, recognized over the top of the defense there was a wide, wide open receiver. Hits him in stride, 68 yards, touchdown. That was basically all the Southern Miss needed. And unfortunately, though, later in the game, you saw another dangerous pass over the middle by Abraham that was high. Frankly, if that's on target, maybe that's a pick six. But you know what? Also, to be fair to Abraham, again, a really conservative game plan by the Golden Eagles. They ran that particular run pass option over the middle of the field over and over again. So I think at a certain point, North Texas was getting a bit of a read on that particular play. But you know what? Again, the worst throw of the game here by Abraham, just to close it out, third and 10, Southern misses up 10. He throws up right, he throws the ball just, I mean, right to the middle linebacker. No pressure whatsoever, just does not see the underneath player. And again, I counted maybe five, perhaps six dropped interceptions in this game, and he also threw one really bad interception. So I'm concerned when it comes to his interceptions. Just looking at the total numbers, I was concerned. Now having watched a full football game, every snap that Jack Abraham took anyway, and I remain even more concerned about interceptions. In terms of running ability, he's certainly not Brady Cook. He also isn't JT Daniels, the former Georgia product who truly had no rushing ability whatsoever, no mobility, no ability to scramble. That's something I noted when breaking down his game this summer when it looked like Missouri was in his market for sure. But I would compare Abraham's running to more like a healthy Connor Bazelak, Drew Locke, you know, that type of runner. In other words, if there's a wide open field in front of him, he can run 10 yards and pick up a first down. But other than that, don't expect any elusiveness or a lot of things happening outside of the pocket. So that's my that's my take on Jack Abraham. I, I still think that Brady Cook should be the starting quarterback. And well, if you read if you're a Power Mizzou subscriber, there's some indications that the wind is definitely blowing Brady Cook's way. So I consider that good news.
And coming up, some Mizzou football injury notes and some real reasons for optimism surrounding Missouri basketball going forward. But first, I want to tell you about BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. And, well, I have a need to look at NBA futures no matter what time of year it is. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at Ja Morant at 14-1 to to win the NBA MVP. Now, hear me out. We're already getting bored with voting for Nikola Jokic, apparently. He actually has the fifth best odds at 12-1, to despite winning, what, the last two, right? Am I getting that wrong? Well, maybe we're not bored with Giannis. He's back at 6-1, to just behind the favorite Luka Doncic. But to me, John Morant, the perfect type of regular season player. Memphis, a team that's on the rise. John Morant, a young guy who... Wants to make his mark, who certainly wants his MVP. He's not bored with any of this stuff. So to me, put a couple of ducats on John Morant and have some fun rooting for somebody this coming basketball season. But maybe you're not into the NBA. Maybe Major League Baseball is more your thing. The NFL, college, of course. Well, they've got everything you could possibly imagine over at betonline.net, including fighting, professional wrestling, Oscars, the whole freaking deal. So once again, you got to check out my friends at betonline.net, where the game starts. Well, a much-deserved off day today for the Tigers. No practice for your Missouri Tiger football team today, but tomorrow starts the beginning of six practices in a row. And while that does sound brutal, I have to admit to a soft 39 year old man like myself to these guys, well, maybe it's not that bad. And I have to admit, it seems like all of football is getting better at training camp at the fall acclimation period, the re acclimation period, probably better said really without a better way of describing it, the sort of re amping up period Because so often you see this in the NFL, you see it in college as well. It's week two often, especially week two of preseason in the NFL. You see so many injuries happening then because all of a sudden you've ramped up to a new level of competition. You see it in the second week of training camp itself. It just seems like when there's a big jump in terms of in terms of actual football-related competition, well, that's when some things can seriously, seriously go wrong. We've seen it. We've seen that pattern over the years now, and it seems like whatever teams are doing in terms of ramping guys up, well, you're seeing better results, I think. At least you're seeing it at Missouri so far. Hey, knock on wood, right, as the old saying goes. But so far, Hiron White, who, if all things went well, would probably start at one of the tackle positions for Missouri, he's really the only major injury so far that Missouri is really staring at, in my opinion. Especially, now obviously we've talked about how Ennis Rakestraw, Kyron Montgomery are coming back from serious injuries. Seems like Martez Manuel should be just fine after his elbow surgery this offseason. But so far, at least in practice, no serious injuries have, have come on, and I think you'll just see the physicality come on here in the next two or three weeks in hopefully a very smart way. You see the sort of, 
obviously the south end zone complex at Missouri. You see these massive tubs and these analytical computers that, hey, we can see how your body's running underwater and take all of these different biomechanics and stuff. This is all great. This is good not only for football, but hey, these kids who I, I want to see them have good, healthy, productive lives after football. And guess what? One of the nice things about sports and our obsessive need with victory and trying to get these young men back on the field as quickly as they can. Well, sometimes us regular folks get injured too, and we're all the indirect beneficiaries of all this advancement. I think all Missouri fans realize that we would really like to get off to a fast start for the first time in what seems like has happened in the post-Pinkle era, quite honestly. So, with that being said, week four, Missouri traveling to Auburn. Missouri could somehow pull out a win there. What a coup that would be. Well, perhaps the job may be looking slightly easier at this point. Just so you know, TJ Finley, a man who was competing with Zach Calzada, the former Texas A&M quarterback who transferred this offseason. Well, Finley arrested for allegedly eluding the police. So that's perhaps something that's not going to be cleared up by late September. But hey, in the SEC, where it just means more, you never know. Auburn has certainly had its history of, well, let's just say skirting the rules on occasion. Sorry, Zach. Sorry, Zach Blackerby. Sorry, boss. You know it's true. Come at me, bro. I'm just kidding. But honestly... It's got to make you feel better about Missouri's chances. The fact that Auburn, well, one of the guys is perhaps having legal trouble, and the other guy is Zach Calzada, who I was never overly impressed with at Texas A&M. So, hey, perhaps an Auburn victory looking looking a bit more likely as of today. And one more Missouri football note. August 20th, that's Saturday, August 20th, is football fan night and open practice for everyone who wants to come, a concourse carnival, all of this starting at 6.30, lasting until 8 p.m., and then at 8 p.m., well, there's going to be a flick on Faroe in the south end zone, that giant, beautiful video board will show Doctor Strange and the Multitude of madness or the wait the multiple the, the the oh yes the infinite multiverse of confusion i believe that's the name of the film but in all seriousness you can tell that i checked out in the marvel cinematic universe after endgame folks i watch professional wrestling i understand never ending storylines i don't have any interest in that in my cinema but you know what i'm outnumbered there so if you're into an open practice a concourse carnival with some face painting, all that good stuff for kids. Well, check it out. 6.30 on August 20th, Saturday, August 20th, 6.30, 8 p.m. for the movie if you want to stick around for that. And finally, just to close it out, I do want to talk about a real reason for optimism about Missouri Tiger basketball and the Dennis Gates era right after this. I don't know about you all, but I'm probably 10 times more excited for this coming Missouri basketball season as I was in the previous offseason. And of course, the number one reason for that is the new car smell being Dennis Gates. But so far, so good. And 
You know what? Over at PowerMizzou.com this morning, another another good edition of the Chamber on a Friday morning. But you know what? I'm going to actually read a, just a tiny portion of what Gabe DeArmond posted this morning because I don't really think it gives a whole lot away. It also just confirms basically something that I've been saying on this show for a few months now, especially since it became obvious that the Conzo Martin era was no longer going to continue at Missouri. And my contention has basically been that, yes, while Missouri is never, I shouldn't say never, at least in the foreseeable future, is not going to be competing with North Carolina and Kentucky, for instance, for a lot of the top, say, one-and-done, top 15 to 20 type recruits, well, heck, you can live in the range just below that, in the tier two or maybe two or one tier and another tier below that, top 100 type players, you can still form a really, really good basketball team out of that. Especially if you, my God, here's a concept, actually get some guys to stick around for more than a year and form some camaraderie and most important, real on-court basketball chemistry. Well, here's what Gabe said this morning again in the chamber. The top 25 to 30 guys are always going to be tough and are always going to have tons of options. But a school like Missouri should live in the 50 to 150 range where both Trent Pierce fall and where Anthony Robinson fell, by the way. Taking players who aren't ranked in that range should honestly be the exception for a high major program like Missouri. If you can land two to four players in that range in every class, you're getting back to the kind of recruiting that Missouri fans should quite honestly expect. Now let me skip ahead just a little bit here. Early indications are that that's the way things are headed under Dennis Gates. And to me, that's all I can really ask. And I'm glad that not only is Gabe basically agreeing with something I've said before here, and the reason I point that out is just it, it's it's good confirmation for me. I'm glad that I'm not completely insane. I'm glad that this Missouri program actually does seem to be where I thought it was. And it wasn't like I, there was a lot of people in the offseason who have you could, it's easy to say the last 10 years of Missouri basketball have been a disaster, and if you compare the amount of money they've spent to other programs in that disastrous period, well, it doesn't hold up very well. and It doesn't put Missouri basketball in the same position that people, especially who are my age and Gabe DeArmond's age, who grew up with great Missouri basketball, we have higher expectations. But again, I don't think we're saying Missouri has to be a blue blood. No, what we're saying is, again, like Gabe said, 50 to 150. Missouri can absolutely live in that 50 to 150 range. That's where we got Kim English and Lawrence Bowers and Marcus Denman and Mike Dixon. Those are the caliber of players we're talking about here. Yeah, you can win with that caliber of player without without question. It's just when you suddenly, you're below that as Frankly, Conzo Martin was far too often. When you're below that, that's a problem. And it's just Missouri fans should have higher expectations than that, and it's good to see that reality coming to fruition. Now, I mentioned James Brown the other day. He's going to take an official to Missouri in October, also taking an official to North Carolina that month as well. Well, like we saw with Caleb Love, who was from St. Louis, you know what? 
more than likely, North Carolina is going to win your recruiting battles against Missouri. But if you're Missouri, hopefully you can win some against the Oklahomas of the world, teams like Illinois, teams like that. It's a lot more realistic. That's where Missouri should be shooting. And here's the good news. This isn't college football. You see, the over and over again now, you see the top guys are all just going to Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, perhaps throw Clemson and a few other programs in there. But for the most part, it's just totally concentrated at the top, and you obviously need tremendous amounts of depth in football. Basketball doesn't work that way. You only need a handful of guys, maybe seven or eight at the most, a starting five at the very least, and you can go places. Yeah, that 2012 Missouri team, sure, it flamed out faster than we would have liked, but that was basically a seven-man team that was absolutely excellent and a lot of fun to watch. I think we would take that team back in an absolute heartbeat. I, I can speak for everyone there. But you know what? I can speak for myself here and say thanks again for listening to Locked On Mizzou. How about you get more on the Southeastern Conference by checking out Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy and our team of local experts of the Locked On Network. They take you across the conference in less than 30 minutes a day. Once again, make Locked On SEC your second listen. That's Locked On SEC. So, until next time, I'm John Miller, and thank you so much for listening to this first five-day-a-week edition of 2022 of Locked On Mizzou.